welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. And today we have four very uh, patriotic guests. No. Today we have four very, um, what's something we haven't used? Period. Period? Well, it's a period piece, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> today we have four guests, period. <laughs> they are. What? <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Let you host. <laughs> Where's Brian? <laughs> we have four star-spangled guests. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! USA! 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 We've got Doug Gobeski. That's me. And with Doug, we have Tom Roop. Good to be back. And on another end of the call, we've got Tony Huff. Hello. And Paul Wilcox. It is great to be back. And so today we are talking about the 34th installment of the Merry Marvel Movie March. It's the July 2011 movie, Captain America, colon, The First Avenger. Which would be the third Captain America movie we've seen on the march. He does get to use a gun in this movie. He does. (laughs) So quick synopsis uh, for those who don't know. Captain America is the story of one Dennis Captain America who is first in line for the America mansion. So he's out in California. He's a stunt pilot. And some gangsters have stolen some stuff from Howard Hughes and then inadvertently just end up like ruining his plane. And so when he goes to inspect the damage, he finds that there's a rocket pack inside. So he wears the rocket pack. He tries it out and he flies. He can fly around and stuff. Well, it turns out that the gangsters stole it on behalf of a guy named Neville Sinclair, as played by Timothy Dalton, who uh, it turns out is secretly a Nazi agent, even though he's also a movie star. And he's the one who got the mobsters to steal the rocket pack from Howard Hughes so that he could give it, I think, to the Nazis. And so Dennis wears the rocket pack and... uh, fights nazis and there's a zeppelin involved and there's a girl and you know and it's a period piece it happens right around world war ii time as evidenced by the nazis <laughs> where i guess that would have been more obvious in 2011 than now that nazis are in the past yeah they were uh, rebranded this, this to movie, the nefarious villain this movie was really confusing to me because it felt like they wanted us to root against the nazis topical so yeah that's that's the movie and by the way i know what movie you're actually talking about and i forgot how weird it was (laughs) i didn't remember any of the howard hughesy sort of stuff at all yeah i think it's been a while since i've seen that i was like oh this is these are uh details that i (laughs) didn't pick up in my uh, childhood (laughs) why what movie am i describing that's the Rocketeer from oh. a year that I don't remember. 91. 91. Oh, wow. See? Man. My, uh, my favorite part of the Rocketeer is when the mobsters, like that Neville Sinclair hires, they like go to whatever the Rocketeer's name is, and they're like, give us the rocket pack. And he's like, yeah, but Neville Sinclair is a Nazi. And then so the mobsters are like, he's a Nazi. And then they all turn on him because he's a Nazi. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, we may be mobsters, but we're not Nazis. <laughs> yeah, what that guy says checks out. He must be a Nazi. Why would he claim I mean, that simply to get an advantage over us? <laughs> we'll take your word for it, 
Look, there's historical precedent that mobsters hate Nazis, okay? Yeah, basically uh, the government said during World War II, you know, we'll look the other way on, you know, your your illegal stuff so long as you uh, keep the Nazis out of the ports. I mean, that's the gist of it. Anyone know why I brought up The Rocketeer? No. Because it's directed by Joe Johnston. Oh, didn't know that. Very nice. Who is the who is the director of Captain America, the first Avenger, and is probably a large part of why he got the assignment for this movie. Oh. Was because he already had shown he could do the sorts of things they wanted in The Rocketeer. And also in uh, Tony's all-time favorite movie. Is that true, Tony? No, no, no. Rocketeer is not Tony's all-time favorite movie. I'm saying that Joe Johnston also directed Tony's all-time favorite movie. Oh. Yeah, we got that, but we don't know what that is. Oh, October Sky. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know that I've heard of that. My favorite, my all-time favorite movie is Face Off. There are worse movies to have as an all-time favorite. To be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this 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 movie reminds me of Face Off. How's that? Um, when Red Skull takes his face off. <laughs> face off. Yeah, that's, that's badass. That's badass. <laughs> that reminds me of a title of another movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very deep yeah. symbolism. Yeah. So many layers, like an onion. I like that. Yeah, this reminds oh, me there's... of the title. <laughs> hey, Charlie. Yeah. What's the actual synopsis for this movie? So, Captain America: The First Avenger is the story of Steve Rogers, a ninety-eight pound weakling, or maybe even, 90. maybe even smaller, ninety pound weakling. Ninety. Um, did you who, watch the movie, Charlie? Did they? Did they? <laughs> Or like, did you specify watch the his weight? Captain America again. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising amount of car theft in this movie, you know? Yeah, but he never once uh, feigns vomiting to steal the car, so it was no good. <laughs> <laughs> his greatest ambition is to join the United States Army in order to fight the Nazis over in Europe during World War II, uh, but keeps getting rejected until a... German doctor slash scientist played by Stanley Tucci discovers him and decides that he's got enough heart that he should be given a chance to get a super soldier serum, which turns him into the Chris Evans we all know and love today. It's a super jacked guy who has super healing powers and would be really good at fighting the Nazis if they let him. They decide instead that he's going to work in USO type shows to sell war bonds, but when he does get a chance to go overseas, he finds that his friend, Bucky Barnes, who was part of the Fighting 107th Regiment, has been captured by the Red Skull, played by Hugo Weaving. And he decides to use his powers to go out and save his friend. When he does that successfully, they team up to start harassing Red Skull and his Nazi science team called... <laughs> targeted harassment campaign against the Red Skull. <laughs> presidential harassment. <laughs> a Nazi science team called Hydra, uh, and their plan to actually destroy the Nazis and everyone else in the world. So, so they're the good guys. They're trying to destroy the Nazis. Well, and everyone else. So neutral at best, Doug. <laughs> better because they're worse. <laughs> So wait, now we're on the Nazi side? <laughs> Red Skull has also captured an ancient Norse artifact called the Tesseract, which he uses in order to make super powerful weapons. 
and in his successful attempt to destroy Red Skull, he ends up on Whoa, a, whoa, whoa, no spoilers. In an attempt to, Okay, well, where are we going then? <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> I have to describe the end without describing the end. What will happen to Steve Rogers, Captain America? <laughs> he ends up frozen in the ice. Did you not watch the first five minutes? Yeah, I mean, that could have been anything in the ice, right? It well, could it's have a been shield. anyone's shield. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> could have just been some bauble. Could have been Red Skull shield. Yeah, it could have been that trash what? can that the kid had at the end of the movie. Maybe oh, it was that kid frozen in the ice. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, had you seen this movie before? Yes, uh, I saw it in uh, upstate New York. Of all places. Because mm. I was uh, visiting my friend Matt, who was going to Cornell at the time. And I saw it, and I enjoyed it. I have seen this movie. This is probably my, I want to say, third time. However, I never saw it in theaters, I don't think. I I just kind of saw it and uh, forgot about it a little bit. So I was too enamored with Iron Man. And then I watched it on TV one day. I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And now I'm a fan. Yeah, I hadn't seen this one, and, you know, I'm being brutally honest here, and it's not really fair, but I just, I guess back in 2011, I would have thought of Captain America and just thought, oh, that's a boring comic book character who I know nothing about. So I just assumed to be sort of like a rah-rah America sort of movie, and so I skipped it. I'm just being honest about my... Uh, do, you, do you regret that decision now, having seen it? Uh, of all the movies I skipped... Yeah, let me start that over. Yes, <laughs> I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I was about to say something complicated that didn't really illuminate anything. So, <laughs> of all the movies I've skipped, this was one that I would have considered not skipping if I had known that I shouldn't have skipped it. But I didn't know, so I skipped it. And maybe I should have done that not so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. I mean, that's what exactly what I was going to say. This has been the Chris Farley show. <laughs> Paul um, or Tom? Um, I've seen this once before. It was probably, boy, that was a while ago. Three or four years. Saw the saw the Blu-ray once. I liked it. I think it was, though, I, I kind of confused between like where this one ended and the next one began. Because I might have actually watched it like back to back. The or next one. I was I was like marathoning some MCU. The next one being Winter Soldier or Avengers. Uh, just the next movie you watched ever. <laughs> you know, actually, I don't know. You got really confused. I watched, I watched this the and Twenty Eight Dresses. Or wait, is wait, oh Twenty Eight Dresses? Is that part of is the that MCU? What it's called? Twenty Seven <laughs> Dresses. Twenty Seven Dresses. No, the I sequel. Yeah, Twenty Eight. See, so the he theater. has seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> Um, no, I have not seen this movie, um, but as is tradition, I had seen uh, Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> I only watched the sequels first. All sequels. All sequels Oops. first. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Oops. On purpose, all sequels. <laughs> yeah. I like to watch my really trilogies well backwards. Until you get to Thor. Uh, I think I watched you gotta, the second Thor first, actually. You gotta oh, watch the trilogies not. fiddle out. I mean, I watched Blade 2, I saw. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of slow at times and uh, kind of complaining about it to Paul openly in the beginning, but ended up enjoying it. 
Um, I'd seen it in theaters and then a handful of times subsequently on Blu-ray. This is probably the fourth or fifth time I've seen it, I think. So I remember enjoying it in the theater and my opinion has not really changed. Other than the fact that he doesn't feign vomiting to steal a car, right? Obviously, I'm now disappointed by that. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to dock it a whole half a point for not having Home of the Brave. (laughs) As as Doug has done for every movie since then. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. My version had Home of the Brave. (laughs) Oh, I only had the DVD. Must be a Blu-ray special. they They should do like a remaster of this. Or like, what is it, like a D-make or whatever, where they, you know, scale it back to VHS Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) They can do it for video games. They can do it for this movie. (laughs) Awkward costume and all. Um, Let's start with Chris Evans. Uh, This is our third look at Chris Evans in our Marvel movie march. Third? I remember he's Human Torch. Yeah, twice. Oh, okay. One, two, three. And he starts I mean, out. Sure. He starts out looking extremely puny. I haven't done the requisite research to understand how they did this. It is partly CG, partly a body double. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, so this isn't there, Christian Bale in The Machinist? No. <laughs> it's um, a deep fake. <laughs> <laughs> Do you recall the bartender in the scene where Captain America buys another round and he's like, where are they putting it or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was the body double for some of the shots. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. That's actually really good CG then. Like, yeah. with his face. Yeah. And, yeah. That's pretty impressive. Someone who was in the movie was asked, like, oh, how did you fake putting all the muscles on Chris Evans? Like, they, they it was so good that they thought that it was the reverse CG of what it actually was. <laughs> oh, wow. Because <laughs> I was going to make one of my usual complaints later about the suit like the cg was pretty good except for the parts where they did weird stuff with people like doing stunts like on top of the train but then it's like well this is cg too on a person and actually looks pretty crazy i didn't even think that that's how they did it i would have guessed like body transformation like just you know both like shooting the first part of the movie and then having him bulk up over the course of a year and then doing the rest of the movie yeah i pretty sure he's what that he was always built when they were shooting the movie and then they did a lot of CG work. Yeah, he would have had to drop quite a bit between the last time we saw him and now. Just like they did some CG work on Red Skull. The the red the red part. <laughs> the red face part. The, the nose part. <laughs> uh so Hugo Weaving is wearing a red skull mask. But yeah, then they I think they like um obviously the nose and then I think like they sink his cheekbones in a little bit and stuff. Hmm. But a lot imagine? of it is just the mask that he's wearing. Can you imagine him in that scene where he has to wear the human mask over the red skull mask when he takes it off? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't breathe in this thing. It's like it's double half. And he takes it off and he doesn't really have a nose. I can, I can breathe too well now. Unfilled. <laughs> 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 you know, they, they, really, they really missed a, an opportunity there to have Captain America pull the mask off and be like, got your nose. (laughs) (laughs) That old trope. (laughs) Adam, did you do any research into casting for this movie? Uh, Casting of who? Chris Evans. Yes. Um, They approached him and he turned the part down three times before he signed. 
he said basically, uh, if the movie bombs, I'm effed. If the movie <laughs> hits, I'm effed. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so he wasn't sure if he wanted to uh, be in that position. And I saw a thing in uh, an interview regarding Avengers Endgame where they were basically saying that in some respects that made him the perfect Steve Rogers because Steve Rogers on some level isn't trying to be a hero, right? He's just trying to be a good person. And so the fact that Chris Evans was sort of had this reluctance in the same way that Captain America sort of has this reluctance of being like a quote unquote hero. Um, they said that sort of played well. I will say Charlie that, um, I think one of the strengths of the Marvel cinematic universe is that they do a really good job with the casting and if they've decided that someone is right for the role, they will frequently go the extra mile to hmm. either convince them to sign on or to rework schedules and stuff like that. Like, uh, for instance, I know that Benedict Cumberbatch originally declined being Doctor Strange because uh, there were scheduling conflicts. And so Marvel chose to shift around the shooting schedule so that they could get Benedict Cumberbatch in rather than cast someone else. That makes sense. So it could just be that you know, of all the people they considered or thought at, they just decided that he was the best choice for the role and they didn't want to go with anyone else. I So Chris Evans does a great job here. I, we really enjoyed him in the Fantastic Four movies. He's one of the highlights of it. So mm-hmm. nah, I thought it was a good idea to cast him, although he doesn't get to display his humorous side here too much. But we found that with a lot of the or with a few of the last Marvel movies we've watched. I had seen this before any of the Fantastic Four movies. So it was actually kind of kind of jarring to go back and see his uh, Human Torch character. It took some getting used to. So I actually didn't know anything about the cast list for this movie besides Chris Evans. So I was constantly surprised to see people that I didn't know were in the MCU anywhere. So yeah, we had Hugo Weaving as Red Skull. I thought he did a pretty decent job as mm, sort of one-dimensional villain, which I guess Red Skull kind of is, right? He's just straight up evil and wants to destroy everything. Pretty decent sounds like not a great amount of praise. yeah i thought hugo weaving actually did a very good job not a pretty decent job (laughs) i mean you're right right it is a one-dimensional character on some level but you know he's a super nazi or sorry i guess an uber nazi science nazi that's science nazi right it's like the 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 idea isn't subtlety here necessarily it it all came into focus a little bit more for me at the end because i didn't know what to expect from the storyline of this movie but it is very simple it's not supposed to be difficult it's supposed to be yeah i remember back in world war ii where we were fighting the nazis and everybody just wanted to do a real good job and the bad guy's just the bad guy (laughs) that's what this movie was it wasn't going for any moral ambiguity which you know at least i hear things might get get towards later when we get into present day we're not talking about joker yet (laughs) sorry keep bringing it back to joker that's at the end of the second march (laughs) i guess it wouldn't be the end then i don't know how many i assume there's no more dc based movies from here on out yeah that is the end joker's the capstone i mean after you've released the perfect movie there's just nothing left to do I know, but they kept releasing movies after Green Lantern, so I don't know what to expect anymore. Um, I think probably one of my favorite things about this movie is Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I had forgotten how much Tommy Lee Jones there was in this movie. I had actually forgotten that Tommy Lee Jones was in the movie. Like, 
I mean, if I sat down and thought about it, I probably would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember Tommy Lee Jones in this movie. But just offhand, I'm just like, oh, yeah, Captain America and, like, Howard Stark's there and Agent Carter and the Howling Commandos. Like, Tommy Lee Jones hadn't really, he wasn't in the forethought of my memory of this movie. And so I was like, oh, yeah, he's in this movie. Oh, yeah, he has, like, all the best lines. <laughs> Did you just remember, like, a faint distant scowl in your mind the whole time you're like who did that belong to oh yeah yeah <laughs> i think it might have been more that i remember tommy lee jones was in the movie but i didn't remember how like good his character was which is sort of crazy on some level because his character is like really really good so why wouldn't you remember that but i think it's because he's sort of providing more color than rather than being like a plot driver that much but he's great I wish he would have kissed uh, Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought there was. I mean, there was some tension for a minute there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like after Steve uh, meets his icy end, um, I said, uh, and it showed uh, cuts to the shot of Tommy Lee Jones, and I was like, "Oh, Betty, Betty wishes he kissed him now." <laughs> yeah. And he did. You, <laughs> you could, could tell. tell. Yeah, you could really see it. You could see it in his face. He was like, man, I missed my opportunity. It's 1943. Mm-hmm. He walked out of the frame and licked his lips and yeah. thought it could have been different. That's some good directing right there. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to go back and watch The Rocketeer after this. <laughs> um, one of the things I really like about this movie, though, is that they... Um, take the time to establish what sort of person Steve Rogers is before he becomes transformed. Because um, as we said earlier, this is the third time that they've made a Captain America movie. I mean, the first one, the serial doesn't count because that's actually murderous DA Grant Gardner. Who <laughs> <laughs> just goes around shooting criminals in California all the time. Would be more American than that. True. So I guess I'm more comparing it to like the the Matt Salinger Captain America, the 1991, where they sort of established that he has like a limp and like he has a family that he loves. Yeah. Well, they needed to take the time to give you the uh, backstory for Red Skull in that movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess that's just what happened. Uh. (laughs) So. Consequently, the fact that they take the time in this movie to show that even though he's a 90 pound weakling, he keeps trying to get join up with the army and he's willing to fight bullies, even though he knows that he is going to get beat up. Right. As he famously now famously says, I can do this all day. So uh, I really like that they did that and that they took the time to establish that and for him to have the conversations with Stanley Tucci's character and then to also show that like, hey, he's like weak but he also he's he's intelligent like with the flagpole stuff and he's not a quitter and then obviously the grenade scene shows that you know he's selfless as well so maybe tony found that part um kind of slow and boring but i actually really liked it because i thought it did a nice job of setting that up and i didn't mind the pace of it did anyone else but me notice for the first time this watch around that the whole super soldier program was actually being explained to the recruits during that those scenes preceding the flagpole scene. Like I had never listened to the words that Tommy Lee Jones was saying that whole time or whoever's mm-hmm. talking. And then we were just talking. We're like, oh, he's actually explaining the entire super soldier protocol to them. Like we had I, I had never heard that before. I thought they were just all thinking they were in the army. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Holy sure. 
it wasn't at least I thought it was maybe a group where they were going to try lots of different things. And maybe like the serum was one thing they were going to try, but it's just like an experimental group where, you know, you might get a drug and you might get like a special weapon or who knows what they were doing. Or do you think that the or you the might group be in was... the control group and be real pissed? <laughs> <laughs> well, just, no, I'm well, just picturing a version of this where they give Steve Rogers the placebo. <laughs> <laughs> he he still goes and you know becomes the uh, you know guy uh, as part of the USO punching Hitler. <laughs> but then he attempts to rescue the dudes from behind enemy lines and just gets creamed. <laughs> They're like, all right, we're going to need 30 more before we have any statistical power for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Adam, so like I did think it was kind of slow in the beginning um, and I didn't like it. And I wonder if I'm a little biased from like seeing some of the the other Marvel movies later on where it's maybe a little more action forward. And I guess my expectation going into this, because I hadn't seen it before, was that it was going to be less set up. I, I don't know. I don't know why I thought it would be less set up and more action, but they did spend a lot of time on like just like the origin story. You know what I mean? Like uh, like how he becomes it. And yeah. So there may be a little bit of bias there. Um, that's that's fair. Part. I just I was just saying that I, I like that they take the time for the setup because I think it wouldn't quite have the same impact if they had cut through some of that and just got to him yeah. getting super jacked. And yeah, uh, and remind remind me uh, remind me Doug that in the blog we need to have the Rob Liefeld photoshopped Captain America <laughs> photo. Oh <laughs> yeah, his chest is like, as thick as it is wide. <laughs> Don't worry, because I think Captain America, especially if you're talking about having watched the other Avengers, I mean he's 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 objectively not the most exciting character in my opinion. So I think he especially is going to need a solid foundation. If you, if people are really going to rally behind him, in my opinion, you know, you got, you got to have like a good character. Otherwise he just kind of has weak powers. Yeah. I think as I look back on like watching, I, I think I do appreciate that. Um, but I also like the fact that he's not like as funny as, um, as Iron Man, you know? <laughs> so, like, it's kind of like he's his own. Oh, and the, here, Rob Lidfield. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's see this. We're, we're looking at this. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he's, he's the anti Iron Man. He can't even get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I, I wasn't clear of, like, he's like, I can't get drunk, but it's like, did he try going, like, really fast? Like, <laughs> said, like four times metabolism, so, okay, if he downs the whole bottle, like... I mean, he wasn't drinking White Claws, so he wasn't really trying that hard. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Loco hadn't been invented yet. And if he has four times the metabolism, why don't we see him, like, eating cheeseburgers constantly? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, jo- <laughs> I joked that it was like... Yeah, he just starts every day off with an entire box of Duncan. <laughs> it's going all jughead on a plate of cheeseburgers. <laughs> I'll 40 pack of Timbits, please. <laughs> but it, that thought the interesting thing about the exposition here, too, is that I was willing to deal with much more of it than I usually would. You know, I complain about that sort of stuff all the time. But simply the fact that they called the movie Captain America the First Avenger made me put up with it. I was like, oh, this is important. It's going to be important for other things. So my expectations have been adjusted appropriately. Wait, what? Huh? What? I mean, was it? <laughs> well, because I knew it was part of the Avengers. Like, 
I mean, I guess I always knew that with the other films so you, too. But it's like so they're upfront about it. Even, you would have tolerated more scenes involving Shield then. <laughs> I I might have. It was like <laughs> Iron Man and his continued exploits in regards to Shield Volume Two. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man content warning. <laughs> <laughs> Contains shield related footage. <laughs> You're so damn weird. <laughs> Maybe this is why you should have watched the movies at the time as they came out. Probably. Because <laughs> your bias is just amazing. <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest. <laughs> but I, it's, it's appreciated. I hate you, but it's appreciated. <laughs> On the other side, something that I didn't expect, which was nice, was that I thought that because we got the preview at the beginning, where he was going to be in present day, that the movie was going to transition to that earlier. I didn't realize the whole thing was going to be set in the 1940s, which was actually really nice. Ah, no, you were were biased by the 1990 Captain America. I was. (laughs) Yeah. 30 minutes in the past, and now it's present day, and I'm throwing up stealing cars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was watching all the stuff in the past, and I was like, oh, I'm just dreading getting to present day already and having to go through that transition. And it was nice that we didn't really have to do that until the end. And then it was just like what it was. Were, were, you, ex- were I, you expecting the little boy to uh, be the president? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I, I actually forgot that the movie was entirely or like essentially almost entirely set in the forties. Cause I, I kept like at a certain point, I think maybe one once we were like, a half hour, an hour in, I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't like a half and half thing. Yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, having the whole thing be a period film. Because I don't know that any of the previous superhero movies that we've seen have really done that. Is that true? Uh, well, um, what about, uh, wasn't it like X-Men? Oh, I guess X-Men First Class, yeah. The, the that's, movie that's like we the only, literally that watched like, before this one? <laughs> and it's already gone from That was mind. like the only one, Oof. though. Like, until then, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Yeah. All right. So, I guess, yeah, X-Men First Class, I guess, was also a period piece. Although, since that was probably in production more or less simultaneously with this movie. I mean, other than, I guess, like, the Rocketeer itself, right? Because that's actually, that's actually based on a comic. Did anyone else get the feeling that we were actually in the period of long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away? Oh, my yes. God. Yeah. Constantly. <laughs> yes. This movie is Star Wars. <laughs> Everything has a Star Wars parallel. We were saying All the way down to R2-D2 was, like, spinning in the back of the Yeah. <laughs> and then when he gets onto the, the plane. Yeah. This is where C-3PO would say something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and the motorcycle like all the stormtroopers. The there was the Endor speeder race on the yep, motorcycles. Yep, yep. The, yeah. The, the stormtroopers, they have the gimp masks. Complete <laughs> with the leather daddy red skull. <laughs> I have to say, I never really got a Star Wars feel. Um, I definitely got a Raiders of a Lost Ark feel, although I'm guessing that was probably partly intentional. Because Raiders is probably sort of the template of how to do like a period piece updated, right? Like an, a period adventure movie. And honestly, when I saw the, the Tesseract and, yeah. and when I saw the like Gimp Mask the stuff, right? Like, actually, my first thought was Wolfenstein. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, it just felt very yeah. Wolfenstein. Yeah. And then, like, the guy with like the 
flamethrowers would show up, and I'd be like, oh, all right, now I have to fight this mini-boss. <laughs> I don't know. I saw the I saw the the gimp mask. I was like, "Oh, Saturday night." <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time you let him out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we also got a, a Pulp Fiction feel. <laughs> but yeah, even there were some similarities that in like the music score for whatever reason that kept Star Wars making me think of Star Wars. Like some stuff with the plane, I was like some similar themes to like the Battle of Hoth music or the future. There were some specific themes that like amplified the Star Wars thing, but maybe I was already in the mode like at a, after a certain point towards the end of the movie, I was just like, yep, everything's Star Wars now. I absolutely thought the same thing when they were doing the motorcycle chase and then went into the underground base and then, yeah, shooting each, each other through those hallways. Was, I got the exact yeah. same vibe. And in fact, to the point where I'd be surprised if it wasn't a deliberate reference to Star Wars. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know if that information's out there or not. Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess like, I hadn't thought of it. He, but he, I, I, I didn't get that. But Sebastian Stan is the princess. Legit, right? Like, it's, it's better that it's him than if it were Agent Carter, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So they could have potentially done, right? Like that, They could have, but it would have been a mistake. Well, apparently, Joe Johnston worked on Star Wars. so mm, Okay. Huh. Did some effects work, it looks like. So maybe, therefore, the look was either intentional or unintentional just because he'd worked on both so and lots of little cameos in this movie or i guess they're not really cameos they're just bit rolls for people who went on to bigger things right (laughs) so like um there's actually a bunch of future doctor who actors in this so uh david bradley is the norwegian caretaker at the beginning who gets shot he goes on to become a doctor uh he plays the first doctor in an episode one of the girls that Bucky Barnes has during the fair is Jenna Coleman, who will become a Doctor Who companion. Uh, Toby Jones shows up on Doctor Who, although he's you know obviously known for tons of other stuff. Um, that's Arnim Zola. Um, Dominic Cooper's in this movie before he goes on to do stuff like Preacher. Uh, Natalie Dormer's in this movie prior, I think, prior to Hunger Games. And oh yeah, she Game was of in Thrones, that. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, which allowed me to recognize her and say, "Oh, she must have a bigger part in this movie at some point." And I guess, kinda, she makes out with Chris Evans. <laughs> she creates the dramatic tension, which quickly goes away. Yeah, I was happy that they got rid of that quickly. So, like, let's not waste too much time on this. <laughs> it gave it gave her a reason to shoot the shield, right? Oh, that, that was scary. Yeah, we, yeah we went <laughs> off on that in a yeah. in a trigger like, warning, like. You know, just thinking about how much everyone's ears would be ringing, and you know. <laughs> oh, so I have a question about that. Oh, yeah, the the, the, she shoots him. She shoots him in the shield several times, and you hear a slight gong resonance sound immediately after uh, the who was it? Howard Stark yeah. had told him that it absorbs all vibration. Uh, maybe that's Steve Rogers gonging. I don't that, know. That's his bones. It was a <laughs> super adamantium bones. bones. Yeah. <laughs> super bones. Since, since they appeared to use the, a, a similar machine to inject the super soldier serum as they used to turn Wolverine into Wolverine. Yeah. The shield in general doesn't make any sense. How could it absorb all vibration and then bounce off everything? Uh, oh. I, I have two words for you. 
Okay. Uh, comic book. <laughs> actually, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue. Who says who says it absorbs all vibration? He well, said it in the Howard Stark, the guy who I made, made the shield. No, he was, says most. Was he a, movie? So he no, was. He a, says most. He all right, says I'm, gonna, all I'm gonna look it up. He I says, he says it, all. It, 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 is he like most. the foremost technical expert? Like, was he the the head yes. engineer, or yes. was he yeah. miscommunicating something from his? No, oh, he's the head engineer. You know? They said that a lot. Well, okay, yeah. he can't right. even make a car fly. Just making so. sure it's not a management <laughs> communication problem. He can't even make a car fly. <laughs> so I mean, that is true. It's no yeah. good. Yeah, he's not on. very good. All right. <laughs> I find it funny they use the last of that metal on Earth to make a prototype shield that they had sitting under a, a desk. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. We don't even want you to look at this one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Some... All right. I found the lines. Okay. What's it made of? Vibranium. It's stronger than steel, and a third of the weight. It's completely vibration absorbent. Yeah. It means like... that it it turns all of the uh, long range. Uh, vibrational energy into short-range vibrational energy. Well, I guess sound would fall like it, into that it category. Turns, it turns it? them from long wavelength phonons into short wavelength phonons. Wouldn't that basically sense? means you shouldn't have any ricochet, right? Yeah. Okay. The, so the, that's I what I was concerned about. Makes and, sense then, right? What? what was that, Tom? If the bullets dropped off the shield like they did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I was... I was so they dropped off the shield so the, there's going to be some vibration in the shield because it took all that energy you know it still doesn't make sense why complete perfectly uh elastic or whatever i can't remember which one maybe they add like a steel rim around the edge so it can bounce that's true you don't know if it's yeah did he yeah, say it was I'm pure just, vibranium i'm trying i'm trying here did he say it was this pure is, vibranium part of- <laughs> he just says it's vibranium okay and he doesn't say that's all they have on the planet he says that's all that they have Mm. which is why there can be a whole bunch in Wakanda. For how long? Because that's also vibranium. (laughs) It's important that when you're talking about comic books to get into the weeds at least once. on (laughs) (laughs) That's like Paul's favorite part, that and the product (laughs) placement, but that didn't really happen in this one. Yeah, actually, that was kind of... Well, at the very end, they made up for it in Times Square. (laughs) Yeah, I wondered yeah, how much really of that was did. product and I, I was like, versus I how much of that was just like guerrilla shooting. All right, we're filming this period piece, and Nokia really wants their name on one of the pieces of equipment. <laughs> so does Bank of America. And, and <laughs> Snapchat. Bubba Gump Shrimp. Oh. I would have freaked out if I were him. Yeah, well, you're not a super soldier. Okay. Anyone else think it might be... <laughs> creepier almost to wake up in a fake room where just like pretending to be in the past or like just waking up to a straight up laboratory from the Mm. future well obviously he doesn't like waking up in the fake room so i think he's on the same side as you nice where he's (laughs) like this is bs and he starts crashing through stuff i like now now my question is this game (laughs) yeah what if they had gotten the baseball game correct he would have remained in that room for the rest of his days and never figured it out, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then this it is would my have, life now. Then it would have been the Matrix. Yeah. Cap- <laughs> Captain America 2 is just a legal thriller about people <laughs> trying to keep him in the room and, and other people trying to introduce him to the real world. Oh, so, so it's, it's the, the Truman, Truman Show. show. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Adam. No, we had the same yeah. thought. It's great. <laughs> I mean, when you're real Truman Show heads like we are, right? Yeah. <laughs>
there's a movie. <laughs> I've seen that at least 20 times. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say is that I would have happily watched an entire movie of just like Captain America and the Howling Commandos. Yeah, that was pretty much yeah the peak. Like of just him hanging out with like Dum Dum Dugan and Jim Marita and all those people. Okay, so they were so who's, diverse. Who they were, and who? So who who's was the who? We did, I didn't like really. Okay, uh, so the handlebar mustache and the bowler hat—that's Dum Dum Dugan. Okay, uh, Gabe Jones was the uh, African American. Jim Marita is the. Uh, the Japanese American soldier from Fresno. Oh, yeah. He he didn't care about anything. He was just he was all in. Yeah, he was awesome. I actually thought it was interesting is that the actor um, Kenneth Choi apparently did research into how um, Japanese American soldiers in World War II how they felt and how they behaved because he needed that sort of factual grounding for his character. Uh, there's a French guy who I don't know offhand. Again, I don't know who the British guy is either. Although when I highlight his name in. Uh, Wikipedia. Apparently, he plays a character who goes on to be Union Jack in the comics. Hmm. Maybe oh. he's the original Union Jack or something like that. Oh, and uh, the main Hobbit from the Hobbit is the uh, the assassin. The main Hobbit from the Hobbit. Or <laughs> <laughs> the Hobbit is the main Hobbit. Sorry, Martin Freeman. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> you mean no? The wait, no. He wasn't the. I was Sorry. gonna say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't take sorry, me for I, a sorry i thought dwarf immediately because there is only the one hobbit so <laughs> sorry <laughs> so thor and Oakenshield. yes oh. he plays the nazi assassin the one who kills uh, stanley, uh tucci. stanley tucci uh oh okay and he's the voice of uh whichever belmont it is in castlevania trevor oh. that's what i thought but i wasn't 100 percent sure yeah that hand-to-hand fighting stuff was pretty fun. I wanted a little bit more of that, and it took a long time for the movie to get there. And I also found it very surprising how many people straight up died in this movie. I guess we're not used to seeing that as much in some of the other, like maybe Punisher, but like people being disintegrated a lot and soldiers being now, <laughs> mowed down by bullets. Now we don't know it at this point, but isn't the isn't the Tesseract the Space Stone? Tesseract. Like, are they actually being killed, or are they being teleported somewhere? And if it's is teleport, a lot of things. If they're being teleported somewhere, where? Uh, this seems like a conversation that we should probably table until we get to some of the relevant bits, like where they actually talk about the Space Stone and things like that. But I think oh, suffice okay. to say, there's probably at least some teleportation happening. I mean, certainly at the end, right, when he holds the... when. Red Skull holds the Tesseract and like the universe opens up over his head and he gets sucked somewhere, right? Yeah. That sure looks yeah. like teleportation. Yeah. Speaking of oh. death, though, I have a question. Doug and I couldn't yes. decide if those bombs in the final plane with the names for the cities, were those suicide bombs? Because we thought they were, but then they had an ejection seat. Yeah. So then we're just confused. <laughs> yeah. You'd eject and fall right into uh, ground zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would be, you just hit the top of the explosion versus the bottom of it. <laughs> they, they were probably just retro uh, formed. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, too, that was kind of my thought, disable too. Disable right? the ejection yeah. seat in case yeah. <laughs> you needed to do it. It's like, this is their oh, normal, like... Everything. 
everything, like the giant bomber, is all custom Hydra hardware, except the bombs <laughs> are retrofits. Yes. <laughs> oh, you okay. Perfect. You need to suicide it. yourself if something goes wrong and you crash into the ocean or something. That... So if the bomb doesn't go off, you've got the ejection seat? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you eject before it hits, like, and then if it was a dud, then they can pick you up, and you can, you know, get in another one later. I think we've solved it. Okay. Plus, peace of mind for the pilots, right? You don't have to tell them <laughs> that the bomb's effective. You just have to show them there's an ejection seat. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there might be should, something should too. Like, you know, they should have just given them one of those uh, fancy Tesseract handguns. So you can just teleport yourself wherever wherever it is people go. <laughs> wait, so they're going somewhere? Yeah, they're yeah, going yeah. to hell. Wait, wait, wait. Spo- Maybe. <laughs> I mean, we saw we saw that uh, Agent Smith went somewhere at the end. He would go weaving. Oh, you mean Elrond? Yeah, Elrond. I mean Elrond Hubbard. Oh, Elrond. I mean, yes. For Vendetta guy. So speaking of lots of deaths, the guy in the propeller. That was very oh, right yeah. Okay, yeah, that guy for sure didn't live. I don't know. Maybe I remember was. seeing that and thinking, ooh, this is, this is really skirting the PG-13 with that red mist. Uh, <laughs> I, again, thought saw that as a sort of Raiders homage, right? That's like, what I was yeah. thinking, too. Where the, the big, like, beefy, bald Nazi, right, gets caught in the propeller of the flying wing plane. Does anyone uh, know I'm pretty sure flying, that movie's just PG. Flying, wait, wait, it's a flying wing, yeah. like... What that plane was actually called in I Raiders? So. I think so. Oh, that's kind of out of flying wing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know my World War II planes very well. Well, the problem is that one's like an extrapolation. I think. Oh, I don't know if that was a genuine plane. I think it's like an extrapolation of some of the like plans a, that the Nazis kind of had, or something like that. Like how they had all those like crazy measure Schmidt things. Yeah. That didn't necessarily make it into combat. Oh, sorry. I don't know why I just thought of this, but like, I like how the Hydra people are super like extra Nazis because they double like oh, whatever yeah. the <laughs> Nazi salute is. Yeah. <laughs> they double fisted. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling Doug, it's very involved. You can't do anything else when you're saluting. <laughs> and it like really throws off your center of gravity. Like, you're <laughs> yeah. Back. Both shoulders, you know. So you have to, like, you have to swing your uh, hips out really yeah. to do it. Although, <laughs> it's although, like a pelvic thrust. Although I did notice that the lead. Wait, science... wait, 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 wait. Why are we waiting? Is this is this the precursor to the floss dance? No, oh, no. <laughs> now I'm seeing like a coordinated like legion of, yeah, of like no, fast like, troops all just flossing. like they raise their arms up and then they swing them down. <laughs> I do. I do like that the the head scientist guy never really did the uh, the full Hail Hydra salute, but he just was on board. He knew <laughs> he was ready. He was ready. He's like, oh, yep, sure, I'm I'm on board. So so is this movie a critique of uh, science's willingness to uh, do evil in the pursuit of science? Uh, I mean, that's probably kind of part of it, right? Because think of all the you know, Nazi scientists that were conveniently forgiven when they came and worked for the United States, right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was sort of in the background. I mean, the the guy who makes Captain America is German, right? Yeah, but the impression I got there was that he's not doing it because he wants to. Like, he sort of gets forced into it almost, right? Because he just happened to be running experiments. 
Because he has the line, right, about how people forget that the first country the Nazis invaded was their own. Oh, yeah. And part of me wondered if there was a subtext, if he was meant to be Jewish or not, but it never seemed to actually come up. So do you think that he started with human experimentation? Or are there like a bunch of super jacked rabbits running around somewhere? <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe he started on like small red dogs. Uh, oh, jeez. Oh, that took a moment. So the this would be the uh, expanded MCU. <laughs> MCEU. Quite literally. <laughs> what are we talking about anymore? Uh, motorcycles. Motorcycles. Uh, specifically because I've got the uh, the photo from the Harley Museum. So a couple years ago, I went to the Harley Museum in uh, Milwaukee. And uh, one of the things they have on display at the museum is a 2008 Crossbones that was used in the movie, basically made up to look like a WLA. Speaking of motorcycles, my one thought watching them raid Red Skull's main base was like, see, this is why you don't put your ramp on the outside of your complex. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then people can just drive right up it. That's not a very good defensive posture. <laughs> it's like whoever the contractors were were holding the plans up backwards or something. No, it was, it was to uh, deflect any incoming tank fire, you know? No, nobody was expecting quality uh, American engineering. We got one over on the Nazis that way. Maybe they just went with like the like more of a, a snare or like a trap uh, philosophy versus like keeping something out. You know, it's like a lobster cage or something. Oh, like they were ready for him. They had him yeah, surrounded no, by they, flames. It worked. Yeah, they, really. they could have just crossed their arms and crisped him. Mm-hmm. All that right. Been the end of the movie. Objection withdrawn. Oh, no, he's got the healing powers. He would just end up looking like the Red Skull's twin. Oh. He would be just, you know, red entire body. Red skeleton. Red skeleton. Red skeleton. Wait, no. (laughs) That's something else. Sick reference. (laughs) Oh, red skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Like I knew it, but for some reason I was substituting Red Fox. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's I'm a, having that's, a pretty major disconnect. No, that's that's a that's a reasonable uh, mistake to make. So at one point they're passing out promotional Captain America comics, which are actually like copies of the original Captain America comic, where he famously is punching out Hitler on the cover. Like that's oh. the real comic that came out. Um, except the thing I wanted to mention about that is that that comic, uh, came out in early 1941. So at a point at which the United States was not yet in the war. So here it's just sort of like a reaction is like, oh, well, the U S is in the war. So of course he's punching Hitler. But the thing is when they actually made the comic and, you know, made that cover, right. They were not, the U S wasn't in the war. And so, uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, the creators of Captain America, uh, they got, you know, death threats and stuff from people who were like Nazi sympathizers and things like this. Hmm. That's my story of like the, the comic book sort of being more courageous than the movie would sort of lead you to believe. But yeah, Bucky dies. Yeah. That's really weird because I I mean, yeah, I, well, he clearly does. He, He falls down into a ravine, frozen river. He shows up in later movies. So I was kind of confused when he died in a very, 
um, definite way. <laughs> like unless unless you think that uh, it's going to be just like Captain America and they're going to Encino Man him somehow. I guess. Even, though he, hasn't, even though he hasn't had the super soldier serum that so, allows him to survive being turned into that fish That we sticks. know of. So we should probably um, talk a little bit about the comics at this point. Uh, but quickly to Doug's question, um, apparently they uh, the filmmakers whether it was the screenwriters or Joe Johnson or whatever said that the scene where um, uh, Captain America rescues Bucky from being like strapped down on the table in Zola's lab uh, is apparently meant to partly suggest that maybe some experiments did happen to him that could allow him to subsequently survive. Mm. Oh, dang. I just got owned. But um, in the comics. So, I mean, we talked about this like at this point three years ago when we (laughs) talked about Captain America. But just to recap quickly, um, so Captain America is created in the early 1940s by Joe Simon, Jack Kirby. Um, he kind of, you know, he's uh, one of the original characters from Marvel Comics uh, at that point called Timely Comics. Oh, and speaking of, there's the little shot in when they're in the World's Fair of there's like a, a, a robot man in a case. Uh, that's the original Human Torch from the same time period because the original, original Human Torch was like a, a robot man. And so that's what that's referencing. Mm. But anyway, so where Captain uh, America gets pulled into the modern, quote unquote, Marvel universe is that um, the stuff about him being frozen on ice is introduced in Avengers number four, I believe. And that's a Stan Lee creation um, where he gets woken up from the ice. It's, you know, at that point, 20 years after the war. And so. You know, he has to adjust to things and whatnot. But one of the traumas that he suffers is that his uh, friend and partner sidekick, depending on how you want to interpret it, Bucky Barnes, uh, dies on the mission that ends up with him being frozen. And so then for probably 40 years up to at that point, 30 to 40 years, um, the fact that Bucky Barnes is dead and Captain America sort of feels guilty about it is one of the defining characteristics of Captain America and his personality. So I think that's probably the reason why they kill him here is because that's a thing that happens in the comics. The, The death of Bucky is a big deal for Captain America. And it's only in the mid 2000s early to mid 2000s where they bring bucky back as the winter soldier spoiler alert i guess but um yeah that's a that in terms of like the marvel comics that's a pretty recent development and for a long time the sort of general sentiment was that they could bring any character back from the dead except bucky (laughs) <laughs> like Bucky would just be dead. Yeah, I've got a I've got a comic from the '90s where the letters page literally has a response where they're like, "Yeah, there's like two two characters in Marvel canon who are dead with a capital D, never coming back." And Bucky was one of them, and I forget who the other was. Right, and then it wasn't until uh, I think it's Ed Brubaker um, comes up with the idea of like, "Hey, we could actually bring Bucky back." Anyway, so that's a long way of saying I think that's why Bucky dies in this movie. I don't know that they intended immediately to bring him back, but it wasn't immediate. They had the Avengers in the middle there. Fair, yeah. Uh, immediate in terms of just Captain America movies, but right, yeah. They had the Avengers in the middle there. Yeah, so uh, he gets the written, part of the movie. Written huh? by, uh, <laughs> movies written by uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Then ah, okay. Did they? Why did they write the next Captain America? 
Uh, they wrote all three Captain Americas and the last two Avengers movies. So they've basically done oh, all huh. Captain America's appearances except the first two Avengers movies. So like all of your favorite MCU movies with Captain America plus Civil War. Don't bias people. <laughs> it doesn't hold up on repeat viewing. Yeah, there was no music. I mean, I mean, the music was fine, but there was no like original song. What about the Captain America song? Yeah, okay. I guess we could talk about that for our Mary Marvel movie song off. We don't necessarily have to talk about it about the song off, but I would like to point out that it is written by Alan Menken, who is a very prestigious, um, prolific music writer. I think he has the second most music Oscars of anyone. Really? Yeah. So he's the guy that did like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Newsies, Tangled. All these sorts of things. So so that's why that sounds so good. Yeah, it did sound pretty good. I assumed that it was like a remade version of some Captain America cartoon or something that existed. Nope, all original. Nice. There is one more thing that... I I don't know. I just always assume that there's cartoons of all of these movies at some point. Because whenever I think there is, and it turns out there is, Haley Atwell as Agent Carter, she eventually gets her own TV show, right? Yep, she's out the only person that gets to go straight from a movie to a TV show <laughs> in the MCU. I mean, obviously Clark Gregg as Colton, sure. but, but he's part of an ensemble cast, right? Whereas um, agent Carter is sort of the star yeah, of her I, show. I do have one plot. Hole. Yeah. I just noticed it for the first time when watching this and it was a, the dramatic ending spoiler alert when uh, he's flying the plane, you know, Nowhere safe to land because people are going to die. He's got to crash it now. And then he slams into the ice with a plane full of bombs and nothing happens. He he tore the wing off, but that's about it. (laughs) But like the whole point of him crashing where he did was to save all these lives, right? Because insinuating the plane would explode on impact, right? But then it didn't. Yeah. So one possibility is that um the bombs needed to be hooked up to the tesseract in some way and when the tesseract got busted up and zoomed off into space or well zoomed him off into space and then sank into the ground or into the through the plane that maybe the bombs the bombs weren't really that potent anymore so they weren't as dangerous and consequently it just crashed rather than um hair triggering or whatever so like it needed the tesseract to arm them yeah and Captain America and Captain America just didn't know that. He just knew that bombs were on board and it was a big deal. Huh. And maybe he, they just needed to get to that location to explode. Oh, like maybe. Yeah, because yeah, it had a fancy GPS system. Like maybe it didn't arm them until it got close enough to America. Yeah. In case maybe they went off too soon. Otherwise. Yeah. Maybe yeah. They're unstable. OK. I'd, I like that. OK. All right. So ultimately, what did you think of the movie? Would you. uh would you send it off on missions to rescue its fellow um, soldiers? <laughs> fellow movies, yeah. Or would you uh, consign it to a dreary USO tour where he gets pelted by tomatoes? I guess I'm asking, how many missed dates would you give this movie? Oh, I thought you were going to say punches to the face. <laughs> how, how many lost friends in a ravine? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that, Paul. Hitler punches. <laughs> How many Hitler punches? Yeah. That is oh. the worst, worst drink ever. 
So how many punches uh, to the face to how many punching Hitlers to the face? How would <laughs> I punch Hitler's. this? <laughs> how many Hitler punches? How many punches to how Hitler's, many Hitler's face? punched? There you go. How many punches to Hitler's face would you give this movie? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be secretly thinking awful things about you if you don't choose to punch Hitler ten times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You have yeah. to punch him the maximum number of times you can. Yeah. Are you um, a Nazi? If, you only punched him nine times? <laughs> what if nine was all you needed? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> what if you're, this, you had nice, strong... I, this movie <laughs> blows away all the others with an unprecedented rating of 69,420 punches. <laughs> <laughs> um i'll go first um i really like this movie like a lot it's it's directed with a confidence that the audience will come along and while it does have a a serious you know plot line it's not humorless but it's also the the humor feels pretty organic and natural right it's it's a sort of dry humor which I appreciate. But so that also, that adds to the sort of sense of fun. And I like all the characters. I think it's like, we talked a little bit of in passing about the CG, but I have to say none of the CG really bothered me. And particularly considering, you know, the year it was made and what CG was like then, I think it's great. And like, I don't even, I don't know what you would change to, to make this movie any better, honestly. So I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm punching Hitler in the face ten times. Oh wow! This, this is my first ten out of ten. I this I really just I anyone's. I don't think you 10. could. I just don't see what you could do to make this movie better. USA. You could do <laughs> things to make this movie <laughs> different, but I, mean, I don't know that it would be better. I mean, they could have literally punched Hitler in the face. Yeah, they pulled their punches. But see, I think even that, right? Like that was right. Then you're into like inglorious bastards sort of territory, yeah, I mean, right? Yeah. Where you're just like, uh, well, this is that, kind baby. of just. Don't spoil you know, it. Don't we've spoil suddenly it. turned into like wish fulfillment instead of like not that Captain America is not wish fulfillment, but I, it's not quite as overt wish fulfillment as that feels. Uh, um, yeah, I, cool. I really like this movie, despite its pro drugs stance. <laughs> yeah, pro pro show. Oh. No, that's what I was going to say, right? Because Tony started chanting USA, USA. But the thing about this movie is that it's not that jingoistic, right? Captain America is not great because he's American. He's great because he's a good person inside and he's doing what he feels is right and what's proper, right? And he just happens to be, you know, American, right? Like the, the line where he... Red Skull says, like, what makes you so special? And he says, nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn, right? Sort of showing that, you know, anyone could be Captain America, you know, and they don't even necessarily have to be American. I mean, maybe they wouldn't be Captain America, right? But other than the name, right? (laughs) But other than the name, like, they could fulfill all the ideals that Captain America sort of stands for, right? Of, like, freedom and standing up to bullies and stuff like that. All right. so So who's going next? Yeah, who's who gonna to, punch Hitler fewer to, times? Yeah, who wants to follow up that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Not me. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll, Here comes Richard I'll Spencer. Sh- I'll show that I don't hate Hitler Charlie. as much as Adam. Charlie, <laughs> remember 
that your scale <laughs> pops off at nine. <laughs> I so I really like this movie, and one of the things I liked about it was that it it did a good job of setting up what my expectations for it should be. Not like is this going to be good or bad movie, but like you know, it the the plot's relatively straightforward, the characters are straightforward, and you know, the love story is straightforward, but it doesn't try to be anything but that. It doesn't pretend to be like it's more than that. And I think the time period that they use is lends itself well to that, right? It's World War II. It's, you know, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, and they do a good job of setting up who Steve Rogers is. And a lot of the action sequences were fun, and I, I don't know. I think overall I'm going to give this only 7.5 Hitler punches out of ten. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait, what's what's? Wait, wrong is that a real? It? Is that a real rating? No, that's an actual rating. Yeah, not a joke. But you're what? you're putting this you're putting this on the same level as, as the Grant Gardner Captain America. <sighs> this for you is worse than Thor. Is it worse than Thor? I've got nothing but praise for it. Right. Seven point five. <laughs> this movie does everything right, but you know, just not enough. Well, I don't think I, sure in the same way. I don't sure think it goes out on a limb or does anything that's and not simple. Maybe you should re-record it with simple, Charlie. <laughs> it's a simple story for for smooth-brained children. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't reach the levels of a Martin Scorsese film. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the acts. So here's what I'll say. Uh, some of the action sequences hinted at, I think, what more of the movie could be. Like a lot of the hand-to-hand fighting and the stuff you said with the Howling Commandos was much more entertaining than, say, the final confrontation with Red Skull and some of that stuff going on. Um, let's see, Even though they had there? hand-to-hand fighting in those sequences <laughs> yeah. with the Howling Commandos. Yeah. No, I'm, um, now you're trying to make me find more negative things to say. To justify my rating. Trying to get you to move it, it it's, up. It's all, it's all in the feels, yeah, Adam. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. You, you have an alternative, Charlie. You can just rate it higher. <laughs> Peer pressure. Yeah, give in. I think you should go with your gut, Charlie. I think so too, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> Stick to your Lower guns. the rating. It's what Captain America would do. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. Yeah, don't let him. Don't let, don't let him bully you. Don't bully let the- you around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, but I think the real question is, do you think this movie is on the same level as the original serial and worse than Thor? I would say it's on the order of Blade. I really like Blade. (laughs) Uh, Based on this rating. Yeah, geez. No, well, we have to remember that Charlie's scale tops out at nine. Uh, Like, there's literally nothing higher. It's true. He is the lowest rater of anyone. I don't know. I gotta gotta go with my gut there and stick with that. It may be a re-rate later. Like, do I really have the desire to go back and watch it again right now? Not really, but we'll, we'll see how things marinate. Charlie, Charlie on the record, giving 7.5 points to Captain America yeah. and the Charlie. remaining 2.5 to Hitler. Charlie, Charlie. You know, when you think about <laughs> the it, the largest Nazi you gotta think, yeah. you gotta think about the opportunity cost of your individual punches. <laughs> What if there's someone behind you waiting for you to get done punching Hitler, but he's like way stronger? And like every punch that you punch Hitler is a waste at that point. You know, maybe there's some context to be had. Right. So so jump in here, Paul. Paul. You're You're, the next up. You're claiming that we shouldn't fight Nazis just because 
We aren't good enough at fighting Nazis. I'm saying we should work together and have a strategy to be the most <laughs> effective for it. Not just all blindly punching him. Um, well, I, I really quite enjoyed this movie. I liked that it was, you know, period piece. And uh, I liked it. It was, it was a good movie. It was good casting. Tommy Lee Jones is awesome. And I'm going to give it nine uh punches to Hitler's face because that's what I gave Men in Black and that's also a, a great Tommy Lee Jones movie. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this uh, nine punches to... Does it have to be to the face? Can I punch him in like the solar plexus or the groin? No, nope, to, the, to the jaw. Uh, nine punches to Hitler's jaw. Uh, Would have been 9.5, but they didn't have Home of the Brave in this one. So would it have gotten a 10 if it had Home of the Brave twice? <laughs> <laughs> So if a movie like, plays like home playing of the over the intro, 20 times. <laughs> playing over the intro and then uh, playing at the very end of, over the credits. I'd like to no, give no, a any, man any, thing like, a 10 because I played Home of the Brave on my phone <laughs> while I was watching it. <laughs> I thought the movie was uh, quite well done. There were a few slightly unsettling CGI things and... Adam's explanation notwithstanding, it's still vaguely odd that uh, his main superpower is uh, the power of drugs. Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Jones is really good, although curiously forgettable. Um, Chris Evans does a just absolute bang on job of being Steve Rogers. I, think, I, I mean, I just I think it's a really well done movie and I've seen it like three times, maybe four at this point and enjoyed it every one of those times so nine out of ten um i uh i'm gonna go with an 8.5 and that's actually that's a really good thing i really like this movie a lot i was trying to think what you guys were talking about like why this movie isn't particularly drawing to me i think what i would have liked to see was a little more of the physical like fighting prowess development of captain america because he's supposed to be this fantastic hand-to-hand fighter i mean He's just known for that. And then he kind of goes from repeatedly getting punched in the face while he's scrawny to all of a sudden having the ability to out punch. Well, this is a future reference, but basically out hand to hand punch Iron Man in his iron suit. So I would have liked to see a little more of I don't want to say a Rocky training montage, but like something that shows us that he transitioned into like an actual badass versus just strength and speed. That's my only like plot based critique of it, I guess, from an action standpoint. He crashed through the window once and that was all his wob that got the wobble out of his legs. Right, exactly. (laughs) Maybe the Vita rays are actually like uh, the Matrix, you know, I know Kung Fu. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that could be it too. All right, so Tony. Uh, send, so, send us home with your 3.5. <laughs> it's man thing levels. Right yeah, there. so I think we've hit Hitler too many times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go zero. No. Uh, <laughs> just embracing cruelty. We're becoming, we're becoming Hitler. <laughs> I'm going to go negative four. I'm going to give him four hugs. <laughs> I'm going to hug hugs to get this movie. How many double fist uh, salutes are you going to give this <laughs> <laughs> That's what it should have been. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I really enjoyed this uh, 
this movie. I think that I've enjoyed it more after like us like kind of talking through it. I'm gonna give it nine punches, uh, Hitler punches to the face. I think that the second half of the movie kind of compensates in my mind. Like when I was watching it, I enjoyed kind of the development, I guess, like, or I, I was bored with the development, but I would have enjoyed to see like kind of, uh, how he gained his skills like it was just kind of like this this leap of faith that you had to make where it was just like oh okay he's he's just an amazing you know fighter or what what have you but i think that like the plot is like super tight um i love all the acting and i think it's it's unique enough where i really enjoyed iron man because of how funny it was and this I just didn't feel like was I didn't feel like they just tried to like template it or format it to just be like, oh, this worked. So here we're going to go with this. It felt like it was a standalone and Chris Evans did a great job. So nine, uh, nine for me. I I would like to point out one thing for you, Tony. Yeah. Uh, Shirtless Chris Evans. Yes. That. uh, So 10. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right. I I, should have stopped watching actually after that, that moment. Um, yeah, he really need to seriously make a bathroom break. Yeah, I, I did fake the bathroom break thing, but uh, ten when, when tech I, flexes. But when I but when <laughs> I watched Thor, it was a full on uh, bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to the office. Yeah, <laughs> the auxiliary the right office. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it at nine though. Uh, I think. All right. So to no one's surprise, we established that. Charlie is the biggest Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> I would have thought it was going to be Paul. Yeah. I would have thought it would be me being accused of it at least. Uh, no, that's just what you want. Yeah. Well, Charlie's a, Charlie's a oh, full oh, point below the next lowest yeah. rating. It's always who you least are expect. Are you claiming that all of my anti-SJW stuff is just performative? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> all right so thanks everyone for joining us on our 34th uh mary marvel movie march installment uh we're now going to move to february 2012 and possibly some guest hosts even when we cover the stone cold cinema what's a word that's stronger than classic masterpiece 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 yeah the, the the stone cold cinema masterpiece that is ghost rider spirit of vengeance oh so until then uh, i hope you enjoy the time that you spend between now and then and uh i'm adam gobeski and i'm charlie wallace a special thanks to our um four four <laughs> our four guests period <laughs> doug gobeski <laughs> It was quite fun, as usual. Tom Roop. was great to be here. Uh, Tony Huff. That was quite an endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul Wilcox. It was, uh, it was a Captain America time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to think. It's like, what adjective refers to Captain America? <laughs> very Captain America. Captain America. <laughs> That's our show. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook, just like the Gobeski Wallace Report, and you can also follow us on Twitter at GW Report. And check out our website, thegobeskywallacereport.com. That's probably the important bit. Well, yeah, I guess all the other links are there, so if you remember one thing, remember that. Not your name. 
but KobeskiWallaceReport.com. <laughs> More important than your name. So I like Googled Red Skelton. I got like confronted <laughs> with this white dude. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> It says between 37 and 71. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like, huh. I, I did not realize that Red Fox's real name is Sanford. Oh. Huh. <laughs> is that is that intentional then? Is Sanford and Son named after him? I, I would imagine. Or is it just a weird coincidence? That would be a really weird coincidence. It's a pretty uncommon name. Apparently, uh, the character is <laughs> named after Red Fox's brother, Fred Sanford. His brother's Wait, name was also Sanford. Uh, Hold on. His so Red Fox's real name is John Sanford. Oh, his oh, last name. Oh, I was looking at his first name. <laughs> oh no! I was like, wait, his first name is his brother's last, last name. name. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you were talking half brothers, but wow, you're getting. <laughs> His name is Sanford Sanford. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We named you your brother's last name. It's like Sirhan Sirhan. It's a coincidence that it's his first name, too. (laughs) Does this have to do anything with Captain America? We're just developing bits here, I think. Oh, okay. This is a tag? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think this is probably the tag. This really makes me want to do a a Sanford and Son um, marathon, like a podcast, <laughs> like Elf style. But, but Sanford and Son, like, oh, this is the one where Grady. This is the episode where it pitches Grady's spinoff show, and it's like all about Grady, and it's weird. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's too you're, much Grady. You're really giving me flashbacks to the one of those summers I worked maintenance with you guys, and like I would just hear over the over the uh, um, uh, walkie-talkie. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, someone had a someone had like a greeting card that played that song. Yeah. When you <laughs> that's what it was. Oh, I forgot about that until just now. I remember Chris. Chris rigged it up so, like, if you opened the the, door. the desk drawer, oh, it yeah. would play. <laughs> <laughs>